clients are after the best possible outcome. But we all know this doesn't always happen. The most difficult and risky part of a matter can be the delivery of bad news. Host Julian Morrow chats with Susan Hill, special counsel at Hones Lawyers and author of A New Lawyer's Guide to Getting It Right the First Time. They discuss the risks associated with the delivery of bad news. They examine ways to deliver bad news with empathy while maintaining a focus on the facts and without damaging the relationship with the client or your reputation. Susan Hill, thank you so much for speaking with us. That's lovely, Julian. Now, look, there's no way of sugarcoating this, Susan. We are here to talk about delivering bad news. Yes. I suppose that's something you've had to do in your career, including at Holmes Lawyers these days? Um, Yes, Julian. Look, it's part and parcel of being a lawyer and it's something that, I mean, nobody wants to be the person who's giving bad news and even more, nobody wants to be the person who's receiving it. But we just have to accept that it's something that we do in our work. Okay, so it's actually not your favourite part of working as a lawyer, giving bad news. Um, Funnily enough, (laughs) no, it's not. And I don't know... um, anybody um that that thinks of it in that way Mm. and um and that's why I also think it's not something um that we need to sort of set up as something that like we're just totally comfortable with or that we don't care about it or whatever because then you can become sort of aloof and cold as well so to some extent it just always is a hard thing to do but I suppose with practice and reflection on times you have had to deliver bad news, there are ways of developing uh, skills that can make the, the whole process better for everyone concerned. 100%. So even though I think the first thing is you've to accept that it's never going to be mm. easy but that you can, you know, with, um, with planning, with preparation, with good management, like anything, you can, um, it can be easier. Yeah. And, and I think that's a big, big um, distinction to make. Absolutely. Looking mm. back on the times you've had to deliver bad news, mm. what are some of the problems you think that kind of characterise these interactions? In particular, let's just focus for the moment on lawyers speaking to clients because there are mm-hmm. other types of bad news that can be delivered by lawyers as well. But mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the expectations that mm-hmm. lawyers have and that clients have, what do you think some of the issues are there? Um, I think that for lawyers a real trap can be um, like merging yourself into the bad into mm-hmm. the bad news You're right? so that um, this sort of idea that, and I think probably more for junior lawyers, mm. um, just because they're they're new, but it, I think it, it doesn't necessarily go away. Uh, a sense of um, having to come up with an answer mm. and a solution for the client, when sometimes, like we're not like the equivalent of a legal Santa Claus, and there's not always a legal remedy in our, you know, Santa sack, um, even if the client's been naughty or nice, regardless, um, there's no, um, sometimes there's just not what they want in there. And, and I suppose that can be hard for us as lawyers because we mm. want to be the provider of that solution. Totally. And 
Julian, lawyers are typically um, high achievers, really focused on results and getting a good outcome for the clients. And so sometimes it's just hard to accept that you can't do that. Mm. And um, so you've got to be able to adjust your um, what, what you're aiming for. Mm. And um, I think it's important too because if you as a lawyer have that expectation on yourself, then really that's what you're communicating to the client. So you're setting the whole thing up mm. for potential catastrophe uh, if you don't adjust, you know, the, the expectations around it, which actually are all stemming from your um, sort of centre cent- point. You're like the epicentre of the whole thing. Yes, indeed. And Susan, you mentioned before the the sense of sort of the lawyer identifying or being mm. heavily invested in the issue. What are your mm. sort of reflections on the different types of emotional investment that lawyers and clients have in issues and how that plays out when it is necessary to deliver bad news? Oh, look, it, feelings are going to trump facts every time. Mm. And so for lawyers, Julian, you, you know from your own um, practice as a lawyer that we're focused on the facts that's mm. our job and you've got to be objective reasonable look at the context what's the law how do I apply it it's extremely factual but um, facts are neutral you know Hamlet Hamlet said it there's what is it? There, there's nothing. Um, Neither good nor bad, bad, but thinking makes it so. Thank you. Yes, that's the one. And so the facts themselves are neutral. But for clients, um, they've got this usually quite a strong emotional investment. And I think, uh, too, we can make the mistake of thinking that the client's going to come to the issue with that same objectivity you know, we say, well, this is what the law says and they go, oh, okay, yes, understand that. But it's like facts, facts can only talk to facts. Facts can't talk to feelings. Yes. It's yeah. like a different language altogether. And because facts are neutral, emotions are strong. And um, so s- straight away there's so much uh, potential for conflict and misunderstanding. Yes, indeed. If you were to characterise some of the sort of typical responses that lawyers have when they have to deal with giving bad news, what are the main types and what are the consequences of those types? I, I, I certainly remember when I was a lawyer, mm. I, I would try to just avoid the the moment as much yes, as possible. Yes, I'm probably why so I'm not a lawyer glad now. You said that, Julian, <laughs> and especially someone like you, because you're just um, so um, like experience. We hear you; you're this experience in control sort of person. And to hear someone like you say, "I would want to avoid those situations," I think that's just so powerful for people to hear because um, it's. It's what happens in real life. Just because you put that lawyer hat on, you don't turn into like a robot or some sort of AI. You, you're you a person and the client's another person. And we automatically want to avoid giving bad news, um, especially 
yeah, like they say, you know, don't shoot the messenger. Um, but that's really what you're setting yourself up for. Mm. And that's true. That's by the way, I looked that up. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> and um, that is <laughs> what happened. They had to come back. The messenger would get sent back from the battlefields, obviously, you know, pre uh, uh, mobile phones. <laughs> and um, if they had good news, they get banqueted, wined and dined. And, but if they were losing the battle, um, they would be executed. So you'd have to wonder, like, if you got given that message. In those circumstances, you can understand <laughs> avoidance, yeah. Um, although I believe that practice is now frowned on from an HR perspective, yeah. Uh, so we shouldn't avoid it. Does that mean that the bad news needs to be delivered instantly or is there some benefit to at least taking a little bit of time to prepare and, you know, shape your response? Okay, so a couple of things there. Firstly, just on the avoidance again, um, like because this is for law cover and they're very interested in risk management, um, if you avoid, you're potentially pushing issues further down the track mm. where they're just snowballing. And so the scope for liability is just increasing as the clock ticks up. Ex- exponentially, 100%. And so, but that's what we do and procrastinate. So then the other, the opposite extreme is to just, you know, just sort of um, hit the client over the head. Blurt it out, yeah. Object, and just um, get it over and done with. I mean, that's another pretty typical, um, not even limited to lawyers, it's a human sort of response. But like everything, there's always a, a middle path and like anything, uh, proper preparation that takes into account your facts but also the um, the need to um, give consideration to the feelings that are going to come um, from the client. Yeah, and Susan, how important is it to sort of deliver the, the full legal theoretical explanation of why things have gone badly is that a uh, a pitfall that potentially lawyers can fall into mm. uh, i'm nodding <laughs> i've said on audio that i'm nodding um because there's i mean there's a lot of reasons that lawyers do that or well, one just because we're lawyers and can't help ourselves and it's the sort of comfort of that's the way that we speak and communicate with each other yeah 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 100% and um so I guess it's it's like the comfort zone, like you, mm. you said. It's so because you're, oh, and look, I know because this is all for lawyers, and we just need to set up that there's always exceptions to the rule. You know, you could be great at doing this and have a completely different way to deal with it. But I'm just speaking in in generalities. Mm. That's all we can do. Um, so the you've got the comfort zone of facts and with that too comes um, aloofness often and that's a real trap. Um, there was some great research um, on doctors who, if we think we've got to deliver bad news, I mean, imagine, you know, being in their shoes. Mm. I mean, it's really difficult life and death for patients and their families and um so for the 
um, medical people, they obviously um, invest a lot in understanding how to how to deal with those sorts of situations because they have to do it a lot. And um, one of the top ranking values uh, that um, the patients and families uh, commented on, they rated really highly the attitude of the medical professional giving them the bad news. So not the news itself, but the attitude of the person. Mm, mm, mm. Lawyers, Julian, they can be really, they, they don't mean to be, but they can come across as cold because they're so immersed in facts. That's where their heads are. But people, I've seen even um, very experienced business people who you'd think, you know, you, you, you might make the mistake of thinking, oh, they, you know, they get it. Um, but no, when it's about them and their matters, they can, yeah, they react and they're going to direct that dissatisfaction with the, the news um, that becomes you. And so, you know, you can be on the receiving end of... Um, strong criticism i mean you know if you took a sliding scale it can definitely slide over into attack Mm. complaints formal complaints a whole lot of stuff we mentioned avoidance at the in terms of the timing of Mm. delivering bad news but i wonder if is there also an aspect of avoidance in terms of just wanting to get out of the situation of (laughs) delivering bad news get it over um quickly get out the door Uh, how should we approach the the timing of how long you spend delivering the bad news and whether or not it's short and sharp is the best or, or somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I, I, I find it difficult to think of any situation, you know, where like ripping off the bandaid is the, is the way to go. Um, even though, you know, you might desperately want to do that. Like just, yeah, sort of, um, dump it on them and then get the hell out of there. Well, in fact, um, I mean, I know that the behavioural uh, economist Dan Ariely, who was a Burns victim, found that he always had his dressings taken off very quickly by the nurses uh, and it was really painful for him. Uh, but he realised that the nurses were taking the bandages off really quickly because they were so uncomfortable at the pain that they were causing. They couldn't see the pain. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they wanted to get away from that, that situation. But actually that wasn't, in the medical context, the best for the person who, who had the injury. And it might be true for us as lawyers as well. Oh, we, we might, we're good on the law, but maybe our, you know, interpersonal skills in communications um, as something that that can always use, that can always be improved. It doesn't mm. matter how good you are; you, it can always be improved. And so, let's not mistake. Of course, lawyers are wordsmiths. That's what we do. Language is our thing. But I think if we just confine it to the the content, then then we miss the opportunity to connect. And it's that dis, disconnection that um, can cause a lot of problems. And um, if you're nervous too, um, Julian, I'm sure you know all about um, body language now, non, non-verbals. Mm, mm. Um, it's like 55% of communications yes. presumably and tone is 38% and 
the words themselves uh, are just the rest. It's 7%. So, you know, I'm not going to say how accurate or not the studies are, but this seems to be quite a consistent um, uh, finding. And so if we just focus on the words, that's 7, 7%. The client's getting the rest of it from the, the context of how you're communicating that. And if you've got um, like a nervous laugh, um, because you're uncomfortable, you want to break the tension. That's like you said with the nurses, you know, they can't deal with it. So you're feeling, if you're like stressed yourself, then straight away you're just going to sort of go into robot mode, get it done with, get out of there, you know, too bad, so sad. Mm. Here's my invoice. Yeah, yeah. So, so taking a bit of time to get ourselves in the right emotional space as well and so, yes. something that's going to be receptive uh, and, and makes it possible to, to listen as well as to deliver news. Thank you. Yes. So you make a super good point because we're, as we're saying this, somebody can be listening and just going, Ugh, like this all just sounds touchy-feely and um, like that's – why do I have to sort of worry about that? You know, it's like super uncomfortable. But um, it's you don't have to like, you know, offer them a mug of hot cocoa and, you know, group hug sort of thing. Mm. It can be to connect with somebody. This can be really simple things. So, um, for example, just pausing. I mean, you said before about, you know, um, delivering all the, the information because that's what lawyers like to, to deal in. But first off, let's break that down into small pieces because if you just come in and o- overload somebody with reams of information, firstly, if they're still reeling from that first bit that you've launched at them, um, they're not hearing anything else you're saying. Yeah. They're they're just like, what? And so they've gone into into a a spin or they're upset. They're not listening. And if you're just going, you know, what do they call it? Talking heads, blah, 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 Mm. blah. You ask them. You've lost them. So even if you've got a lot of information to go through, you've got to get it down into bite-sized pieces and and let them chew over it and be willing to stay on on that one. Maybe you won't get to the other ones. Well, that that's what I was going to ask you about as well because I think there's a tendency amongst lawyers to say, well, or to think, I think mm-hmm. there's a tendency amongst lawyers to think, well, I've said it, so it's been said, so I don't have to say it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, information's been, it's, it's come out of my mouth, therefore it's been received. Mm-hmm. Is there some virtue to thinking about maybe uh, splitting up the communication and not just thinking, well, I've done it once, that's, that, that's game over, to actually you know, dealing with the timing and being conscious of how much information can actually meaningfully be absorbed in a particular exchange? That's a really, really good um, way to look at it because, so I'm just thinking about what you've said. So it would depend 
Mm. So everything always depends on context. But if it was something, you know, quite um, significant and serious uh, in a matter that you'd been dealing with, say, for some time, um, and you needed to go through something quite complex and detailed, I think you're right. I think you could have that initial communication, think about what's the the real um, crux of what you want to say that needs to be understood and accepted by the client and just accept that that's all the initial discussion is going to be about. Mm. As long as you communicate to the client that this is just, we're just starting the conversation, uh, this isn't the end of it, but there's going there's a lot to take in, so let's just first deal with this mm. bit. And let them have lots of opportunity for queries, comments, questions, even if it's not in the meeting because it's all whirling around. And, I I mean, I know and I'm sure you've had the experience when you find something out, it's not till you go away and and you think about it and questions come up and, oh, but what about and why didn't they and I, I don't understand. All of that, mm. and um, that needs to be dealt with. And like you say, if we just, you know, sort of rapid fire, loads of information, it's the feelings. It's the that's what that's what we said at first. It's the facts can't talk to feelings, and so we just have to sort of filter the facts. I suppose also, and I think you mentioned the word pushback earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, there must be some virtue to thinking through the the sort of emotional range of responses and the substance of what might might follow. There is the chance that you'll be accused of being fully at fault. Yes. How should you go about preparing for pushback and accusations, both in terms of substance and also, I suppose, your tone and attitude in dealing with that? I would go so far as to say that you could practice it. Mm. I think just imagine the types of things that someone who's feeling upset or confused or angry um, would have and just imagine, well, not just the words but how you'd feel because here's the thing, once that happens, your feelings come into it. So where's all your lovely facts gone now? Mm. You know, because if you're getting distressed, because it's upsetting. If if somebody starts like attacking you, and and yes, as you say, finding fault, really pushing back. So what they're pushing them back against really is the news. Yeah, but they've made you the target of their pushback, and it, it's, you, the automatic thing. I think is for most people is to get defensive and then it can degenerate pretty quickly uh, into a dangerous sort of situation um, for misunderstandings and confusion and complaints and, you know, everything's, everything's in the mix. So really practice. So how would I feel? And just imagine that sort Mm. of gut reaction and I'd write down some responses because 
you're not expecting it and if you've got words written there then you you're ready to diffuse the situation rather than escalating it and susan i suppose the virtue of really thinking about these issues giving them the time that they need mm. can be looked at in two ways obviously there's the 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 liability aspect and the the risk of complaints but there's also the wellness of the lawyer as well if we if we put this time in it'll probably make things less stressful wellness of lawyers this has been uh, an issue i can remember i think at least 20 years this has been talked about as like a big thing and you know as a profession there's rates of depression um that are just so high Mm. uh, above the average and i think you know just as as we're talking now it, it is this um clash between facts and feelings and we're not really equipped for dealing with the feeling side we don't get trained that so if you're in um you know psychology or counseling um it's acknowledged you're dealing with people's problems and there's that whole you know psycho- psychological thing of transference and mm. all the rest of it and they debrief i mean it's accepted that's what you need to do but it's often occurred to me as lawyers we're taking on other people's problems and I think that's a trouble. See, I even use that expression, taking on, but because that's what we do. And going back to what we said at the beginning, that sense that you can come up with a solution. People are coming to you for help. You want to help, but it's problems. No one's, it's not like you work in a travel agency. Well, when there used to be travel agencies. <laughs> um, but people aren't coming to you to book a nice holiday or a birthday party or something people are usually only seeing lawyers when there's a a problem day in day out you're dealing with the stuff that's too hard everybody else usually they've tried to sort it out they can't it's got to that point so that's where you come in and Mm. you're doing it all the time and Susan, we've been focusing on communications with clients, and that's obviously mm-hmm. the critical part. But I, I wanted to ask you also about communications between lawyers. If we're junior lawyers, the difficulties of speaking to the boss and saying, I think there's a problem here. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about that? And then we might flip it around as well and talk about uh, delivering bad news to to junior staff and those sorts of things to see what the issues are there as well. But let's focus on now if you're a junior lawyer mm. uh, and you think there's a problem, again, mm. I, I imagine it's just that instinct to avoidance that you just don't really want to have to go into your boss and say, I think we've got an issue here. But it's important too, isn't it? Absolutely, Julian. And I think... Um I don't know if I'm less. I wrote a well, book. Well, let's find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, but it, so the, my book is for new new lawyers, and one of the things that I think is a real issue for junior lawyers is they haven't yet 
have those years of experience um, to make the adjustments to expectations. Mm. So they can, well, there's two extremes. Firstly, they they feel as though there's a failing um, on their part. So it's like, there's an answer out there. I should be able to find that. If I was any good, I'd know what the answer was. And so I've got to sort of now um, expose myself as as a failure amongst lawyers for because I can't do this. And so there's that extreme. And then at the other end, it's you don't know what you don't know. And so they maybe don't even realise the um, extent of this issue or point that they've uncovered. And it can be um, really difficult. And I think I would aim for uh, this sort of approach of before, especially when you're junior and you're new, before you're going to clients with any sort of commentary on what their position is, it's something that should be discussed with a more senior lawyer to get their input because there's context. There's, yeah, you might like hit a brick wall here, but hang on a second. What about over there around that detour uh, road? Is there another path? That's, that comes with experience. And then for the ones who think they, should know and they can't that's I I hope they listen to this because that's just such the toughest Mm. most debilitating expectation that they can put on themselves and really our, our job as lawyers I've said often very often to people look I agree that it's unfair 100% but I don't write the laws. All I can do is interpret them and tell you how they apply to your situation. But it it, it is unfair. Mm. And unfortunately, there's no, you know, legal remedy that's going to be available to you in this situation. Something something like that. But just to accept that coming up with a solution is is not uh, always our role. Mm. And and as junior lawyers, there are resources internally and colleagues who we can uh, we can turn to and should turn to, particularly if we think there's a bit of a red flag uh, coming up. That's it, yeah. If there's even a hint, yeah, hint, a little tiny, you know, ripple in the breeze. Hundred percent. They yeah. they need to be to be speaking to somebody senior, um, and it, uh, again, it's that expectation that they either should be able to do it or they think they can. And um, either way, it just anything that involves um, advising a client on something of substance, you that that really should be discussed with the senior lawyer. Yeah. And oh, sorry. Also, you said from the other way around. Yes. Um, that's um, that can be problematic as well because lawyers, senior lawyers, are pressured for time. They've got their own 
own workloads um, to do and they're not, um, you know, not usually trained in um, supervision and training. And so there's a tendency, I think, to stick to the um, supervisory level of, oh, you know, correct that, change that, you didn't refer to this, what about that legislation? Um, but that's not addressing more those expectations of what's realistic, what's your role, um, you know, what what do I expect from you, what do clients expect from you, those types of uh, conversations. And they can be um, just as important as the actual, you know, fix up the mistakes in the draft. So I, I suppose what we're saying there is that, when we're communicating with clients who aren't lawyers, it's important to remember the emotional dynamics. But even between lawyers, when we're talking about the rational things, we've got to remember that, you know, the, the human and emotional aspect is as important in intra-workplace communications as it is when we're delivering bad news to clients. Oh, definitely, definitely, Julian. And especially with um, junior lawyers, mm. new lawyers who well, look, we haven't addressed these rates of depression mm. yet. So I think you've got them in at that graduate level and let's start changing um, the, at, the, at the ground roots. But they can own that sort of adjustments to their settings if it's coming from from the senior people because we keep learning from the people who are senior to us and um, that's always very fact-based. Mm. But the thing is as well, lawyers as um, uh, personality types, uh, I'm, I'm no psychometric expert, but they're, they're facts-based people. You know, there's a reason why some people become psychologists, some people become lawyers some people become counselors mathematicians you you're drawn to it and um the people who are drawn to law um so they're people who like facts and they they're not all that comfortable or maybe it doesn't even occur to them that they need to get into feelings yep so it's not just the message it's the way it's delivered as well across the board absolutely Mm -hmm. couldn't agree Mm -hmm. more well susan uh it is true that as lawyers, there will be times where there isn't a solution, no, much, no matter how much we want to provide one. But that hasn't been the case in this conversation because you provided us with lots of solutions to how to deliver bad news in a better, more effective and humane way. So thanks very much for all that wise advice. Thank you so much, Shulin. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Risk On Air by Law Cover. Join us for the next episode and subscribe to stay up to date. Thank you.